Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this evening's uh, Lectio Divina. I, of course, as always, welcome those who are joining us through Salt and Light. This evening, uh, we will be meditating on a portion of the book of Sirach, which deals with friendship. Friendship is obviously a very important theme in life, and one of the reasons for praying about wisdom literature is that uh, it leads us into things that are important in life, and friendship certainly is. If you want to be very successful in writing a book, you can call it How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's one of the most successful books in history, and uh, people want to win friends and influence people. I think maybe especially in this world when we can have digital and cyber friends, we maybe want to have the real ones even more. Friending and unfriending people seems to be a rather odd way to use the word friend. And so I think we, we value it very, very much. Life can be rather lonely, and especially a highly technological digital world in what we become very much isolated, just me and the screen, and sort of virtual entities out there. And so in that context especially, we value friendship. But really, friendship has been treasured uh, throughout history. It's basic to life. I remember when I was ordained, there were all kinds of little uh, cards you can get, uh, prayer cards. And one that I thought was very, very beautiful, it said, friendship divides our sorrows and doubles our joys. And that's a, a good description of friendship. Friendship in ancient classical times, Greek and Roman times, was very, very much a topic of, of great interest. We see in the Nicomachean Ethics of Aristotle, a whole section, a very extensive section on what it means to be a friend. And Cicero wrote a whole treatise on friendship. In the New Testament, we see our Lord, even God with us, wants to have some friends. He has particularly, of course, he, is, he loves everyone. He dies for everyone. He gives himself. After all, no greater love than this is there than to lay down one's life for a friend. But he had some friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It said that uh, they were friends of his. And when Lazarus died, he wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. We also know that uh, Jesus, uh, obviously, there were all the apostles were his companions in the mission, but there is at least in the Gospel of John, we hear of the disciple whom Jesus loved, presumably a very close friend of the Lord. It's interesting though that Jesus did not entrust the church to his best friend. He picked Peter for that, for all Peter's flaws. He didn't make a judgment call on the basis of friendship. That is a very wise policy to follow. The beloved disciple was his friend, Peter, he put in charge of the church. And at the Last Supper, we hear him saying, no longer do I call you servants, but friends, for you know all things I have done among you. In the seminary where I studied and where I taught for many years, after supper, we'd come up and pray, sing a hymn to Our Lady, and we would say a prayer, and it is the prayer of Jesus about friendship. No longer do I call you servants but friends, for I have told you all that I have done among you. I will give you shepherds according to my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and doctrine. And so friendship is important. We see it in the Old Testament as well as in the New. One of the great examples of friendship that we find, not words about it, but an example of it, is the faithful friendship of Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the prince, the heir to the throne, and David was a simple peasant. And so there was a great social gap between them, and yet they were true and close friends. They truly sacrificed for one another, which is one of the marks of friendship. In the book of Job, we see another group of friends Poor Job was suffering so many things going wrong. He was all alone, just sitting there on the ash heap, just alone. And his friends came to be with him. They were his friends truly when they simply said nothing. They just were with him. 
Sometimes just presence is the best present we can have. And then they began to talk, and then they became not so good friends to him. Sometimes it's just to be with a friend in suffering. No need to try to explain the suffering away. They kind of went downhill in their friendship at that point. And so there is much in the scripture about friendship, and the greatest amount of it is found in the book of Sirach. And the section this evening is one of the sections about uh, friendship. There are lots of dimensions to friendship that are not found in the passage tonight. So I just before entering into Lectio Divina, I thought it would be helpful to touch on them briefly. These are little Proverbs, some from the book of Proverbs, some from the book of Sirach, that are not what we'll be looking at tonight. And so here's a proverb. A proverb, somebody asks, what's a proverb? A proverb is a long experience in a short sentence. That's true. We can gain wisdom by painful experience, but people who've gained wisdom by long and painful experience can put it into a short proverb that saves us the trouble of getting burned. We can learn, that's why we have the Book of Wisdom and why we thank God for the Book of Sirach. Very often, it's interesting, friendship is so beautiful and there are references to the beauty of friendship in the scriptures and many other places, but very often what we find is not so much about good friends, but warnings about bad friends in ways people can be false friends Friend must be tested and tried over time because there are a lot of people who may claim to be friends but really aren't. There's a, a very cynical statement I just read today. I was reading out some things in friendship, uh, but I forget, it's, it's just 20th century. Something like, champagne to my real friends and real pain to my sham friends. That's a pretty witty remark, though, pretty cynical, but you see the point that he's making. Champagne to my real friends, real pain to my sham friends. And so sham friends have always been um, a theme in wisdom literature, and we get a lot of it in the book of Proverbs and also in Sirach. But here's from Proverbs 18.24. There are friends who pretend to be friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the kind of friend we want. And there's uh, what happens when you win the lottery, you get a lot of friends. Maybe that's why they call it the lottery, you get a lot of friends. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. His false friends would desert him. Presumably a true friend, a friend in need, is a friend indeed. Your friend and your father's friend do not forsake. That is Proverbs 27.10. Don't forsake a friend especially in times of struggle. There's a beautiful line in Sirach chapter nine, verse 10, just after the portion tonight. Forsake not an old friend, for a new one does not compare with him. A new friend is like new wine. When it is aged, you will drink it with pleasure. And that's so true, no friend like an old friend. Someone we've gone through life with in many different ways. We've had experiences together who gets to know us and understand our strengths and weaknesses. One thing that again and again in different ways is repeated as a danger to friendship, and that is betraying secrets, repeating a conversation. When someone entrust themselves to another, then it is important that it be protected with the seal of confidentiality, somewhat the way we find in the sacrament of confession, the seal of confession. When we trust another person, we become vulnerable, and we, in a sense, put ourselves in the power of the other person we trust. If that person uses that power over us that they know our innermost self and spreads it around, that is the ultimate betrayal of friendship. And so Sirach says this, never repeat a conversation and you will lose nothing at all. 
That's good for anything, not just friendship. Never repeat a conversation. You will lose nothing at all. There's another line that says, the secret is in you, ready to burst out. Don't worry, it won't hurt you. With friend or foe, do not report it. And unless it would be a sin for you, do not disclose it. And sometimes we hear things about friends. People do speak gossip, gossip, gossip. It says in Sirach 19, question a friend. Perhaps he did not do it. But if he did anything, so that it, he may do it no more. Question a friend, for often it is slander. So do not believe everything you hear. And there's a point in chapter 22 of Sirach where it says, I'll summarize it a bit. You can be violent against a friend physically and he'll forgive you. You can speak harshly to a friend and you can be forgiven. But as for reviling, arrogance, disclosure of secrets, or a treacherous blow, in these cases, any friend will flee. Whoever betrays secrets destroys confidence, and he will never find a congenial friend. Love your friend and keep faith with him, but if you betray his secrets, do not run after him. There's a certain limit here, too, that Sirach is aware of. Even the most trusting, intimate friendship, there's always a portion in the Holy of Holies at the center of our life, which is sacred even where a friend does not enter. And so there's a marvelous line in chapter 33 where it says to son or wife, to brother or friend, do not give power over yourself as long as you live. A little warning there. And then I'll end off in this little selection of friendship quotes from the book of Sirach with a very beautiful one. Sirach is sometimes a bit misogynistic and he's, he's often criticized for that and maybe with good reason. He had certain weaknesses in that. But here's a beautiful line from Sirach. Chapter 40, verse 23. A friend or a companion never meets one amiss, but a wife with her husband is better than both. That's very beautiful. And so there is a passage in Sirach, chapter 6, which speaks of many things, but one thing it speaks of is friendship. And we'll now enter into that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us turn away from all things within our hearts that block the coming of the Lord. May there be a pathway to our hearts and all barriers of sin away with them all. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created. You shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Do not be called a slanderer and do not lie in ambush with your tongue. For shame comes to the thief and severe condemnation to the double-tongued. In great and small matters do not act amiss and do not become an enemy instead of a friend. For a bad name incurs shame and reproach so fares the double-tongued sinner. Do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel, lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bull. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit, and will be left like a withered tree. An evil soul will destroy him who has it and make him the laughingstock of his enemies. 
A pleasant voice multiplies friends and softens enemies, and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Let those that are at peace with you be many, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. When you gain a friend, gain him through testing, and do not trust him hastily. For there is a friend who is such at his own convenience, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. And there is a friend who changes into an enemy and will disclose a quarrel to your disgrace. And there is a friend who is a table companion, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. In your prosperity, he will make himself your equal and be bold with your servants. But if you are brought low, he will turn against you and will hide himself from your presence. Keep yourself far from your enemies and be on guard towards your friends. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There is nothing so precious as a faithful friend. No scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear the Lord will find him. Whoever fears the Lord directs his friendship aright, for as he is, so is his neighbor also. My son, from your youth up, choose instruction, and until you are old, you will keep finding wisdom. Come to her like one who plows and sows, and wait for her good harvest. For in her service you will toil a little while, and soon you will eat of her produce. She seems very harsh to the uninstructed. A weakling will not remain with her. She will weigh him down like a heavy testing stone, and he will not be slow to cast her off. For wisdom is like her name, and is not manifest to many. Listen, my son, and accept my judgment. Do not reject my counsel. Put your feet into her fetters, and your neck into her collar. Put your shoulder under her and carry her, and do not fret under her bonds. Come to her with all your soul, and keep her ways with all your might. Do not be called a slanderer. Do not lie in ambush with your tongue, for shame comes to the thief and severe condemnation to the double-tongued. In great and small matters, do not act amiss. Do not become an enemy instead of a friend, for a bad name incurs shame and reproach, and so fares the double-tongued sinner. Later on, we'll be meditating upon the portions of Sirach that speak of the tongue. That's the thing that James, the wisdom book of the New Testament, speaks about how the tongue is like a little fire that can set the whole forest on fire. The tongue is like a little thing like the rudder, so small in a ship it can move it around and sometimes send it onto the rocks. And so often in dealing with friendship, in those other portions that are not tonight, we hear of how betrayal of secrets using the tongue can cause great pain and can destroy a friendship. Do not be called a slanderer. Do not lie in ambush with your tongue. How often we lie in ambush with our tongues. It is the most common thing, maybe of all the different sins. It's so hard not to be censorious and critical. There's a famous sign that St. Augustine had over the dining room table where he lived with his associates. Let everyone who slanders a neighbor leave this table right away. And certainly, whether in relationship with friends or in life, it's a struggle. Lord, let us tame, tame the tongue it's more powerful than we can imagine. In great and small matters, do not act amiss. Do not become an enemy instead of a friend.
for a bad name incurs shame and reproach, and so fares the double-tongued sinner. Do not be an enemy, be a friend. Wasn't there something in the past with all these riots and somebody said, can't we all be friends? Friendship divides their sorrows and doubles their joys. Yet there are conflicts in life, and sometimes we have to be aware of them and speak about them honestly, candidly, although maybe we have to ask whether we speak too honestly and candidly when it's not really needed, and not to solve the situation, but rather to simply hurt another person. And we can easily get pumped up ourselves by pushing someone else down. It's a hard judgment to know because there are times we need to be critical and honest and candid, but never treacherous. And we need to always ask whether it is necessary to say what we say. There's a good saying, I remember reading, it's not in the book of Sirach. It is, may your words always be sweet. You may have to eat them someday. So let's pray as we hear these words, just as we get launching into the portion that you have printed in front of you. May we always be careful about how we use our tongues. Be friends and not enemies. And not have a double tongue. We say to one person what we do not say to another. I guess the simplest thing is, just as the best decision-making tool a person can have in a position of authority is, would you mind having this decision on the front page of the newspaper? <laughs> if you would mind it, why are you doing it? Or another way of putting it is, would you mind if your mother saw what you're doing right now? You hope not. If so, why are you doing it? And so with our tongue, would you mind having what we're saying right now heard by the person you're talking about? Oh dear, it is so difficult. Do not be called a slanderer and do not lie in ambush with your tongue for shame comes to the thief and severe condemnation to the double-tongued. In great and small matters do not act amiss. Do not become an enemy instead of a friend. For a bad name incurs shame and reproach, so fares the double-tongued sinner. Help us, O Lord, to avoid that. Do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel, lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bull. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit and will be left like a withered tree. An evil soul will destroy him who has it and make him the laughingstock of his enemies. So there we are. We can get shriveled up inside. It's like Father Brown says in one of his detective stories about a whole bunch of rather arrogant people they looked inside themselves and saw each one of them, his soul is a shriveled up dry pea. Just, <laughs> we don't want to be like that. Do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel. Now this is something that, it doesn't speak about friendship, but it has a lot to do with it. We're exalting yourself through your soul's counsel. In other words, what I think my counsel leads me to exalt myself. But wise is the person who has many advisors and who listens to friends and foes. We should not exalt ourselves through our own soul's counsel. God gave us two ears, one mouth. Are made to listen. And so hard it is to do that. Lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bull. If we're all centered in on ourselves, egocentric, the opposite of friendship, 
then our soul will be torn to pieces like a bull being chopped up. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit. You'll be left like a withered tree, strong, secure in the fortress of my ego. I'm left like a withered tree with no fruit. To be fruitful in life requires a certain vulnerability. To be fruitful in life requires a certain willingness not to control my own soul's counsel, me. No, do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel, lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bull. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit and be left like a withered tree. What a way to live. That's awful. An evil soul will destroy him who has it and make him the laughingstock of his enemies. A person may feel that they are very self-secure and in charge, but if they become narrow and turning in like that, not only is their life unfruitful, but they will also be vulnerable to the various enemies that are around there. They will have a disaster in their life. And so just meditate. Let us think about that. Do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel, lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bull. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit and be left like a withered tree. An evil soul will destroy him who has it and make him the laughingstock of his enemies. Lord, help me not to be absorbed with my own soul's counsel, with the dry isolation of being a slave to my ego. There's no future in that. There's no present in that. There are no friends in that. To be caught in the prison of me, myself, and I, that's hell. Lord, free us from that hell. A pleasant voice multiplies friends and softens enemies, and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Ben Franklin once wrote in his autobiography how he, he was quite witty and sharp and boy, he really knew what he was doing when he was a young man. But he alienated everyone in sight. And so he learned over time, it's very hard to learn, not to say everything we think and to be gentle in our words, you know, may your words be sweet, you may have to eat them. To not say, this is so, but as Ben Franklin wrote, he said, from then on, I didn't say that anymore. I simply said, it appears to me this may be true. And to be courteous in our words. A gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. One thing to do is to thank people whenever we can. Say thank you. It's easy to forget. Remember, our Lord speaks just a few weeks ago in the Sunday uh, readings. You know, the 10 lepers are cured and only one comes back to thank him. That is a courteous and gracious thing to do. If more of us were courteous, our world would be a better place. There is a heroism in martyrdom and there is a glory in courage and prophetic strength but there's something very beautiful in courtesy, in politeness, in thinking of the other person, being sensitive to the fact that every one of us is very fragile. We're all pretty frail. And the healing oil of courtesy is very much appreciated. A pleasant voice multiplies friends and softens enemies. 
softens enemies. Whenever we're attacked, we can attack back. How often in wars of nations and in wars within families and in relationships and the breaking up of friendships, but in just relationships, anger transmits across a room like nothing else. Anger generates anger, which generates more anger. It just whoosh, it's like a nuclear reaction. It starts small, but it blows very big. And so if we can put in those cooling rods and slow it down, the reaction, through courteous words, and not rise to the bait, but always be gentle and courteous, then life will be a lot better for everyone. And that is harder to do than to live on bread and water for months. To reply to a sharp remark with a gentle response. And it's especially hard to do on the internet because we're not facing the other person. The other person's an abstraction. And that's why if you ever read those horrible things that are written in the com boxes after blogs. Like there's a viciousness there. These are not gentle, courteous words. People fire things off. Of course, what really gets them is they send them off to everybody and then they're sunk. But we should just pause before we hit the send button and pause before we speak. A pleasant voice multiplies friends and softens enemies and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Let those that are at peace with you be many, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. Be at peace with everyone, but let our advisors be one in a thousand. And the advisor is a true friend. And now we're moving into that portion where Sirach begins to be strict in the sifting of friends. We should be courteous to our enemies, to everyone, everyone we meet. Let us be courteous, but to trust our hearts and our life to someone to ask their advice and perhaps follow it, that requires another level. And how do you do that? He now begins to tell us. When you gain a friend, gain him through testing and do not trust him hastily. If we simply reveal ourselves to everybody we meet, there's something wrong there. Friendship takes time. There's something, you know, you always joke about, I had a party with 10,000 of my most intimate friends. Well, how do you do that? And when somebody begins immediately giving the most personal details of their life, it seems a bit odd. You know, it takes time to grow in trust takes time. That's true in all types of friendship. And remember the other, another passage I read about the best friend is an old friend, one who's gotten to know us over time. That's true in a special kind of friendship called spiritual direction, which is something where it's good to have a spiritual director. It's a value in life. Sometimes it's required as, for example, with seminarians and others. But it takes time. Friendship is not like a machine you build or a building you build. It's more like a plant that grows. You can't keep pulling it to make it grow faster. So Sirach says, when you gain a friend, gain him through testing and do not trust him hastily. And why not? Well, now he gives a bunch of these negative examples that not everyone who calls himself a friend is a friend. 
For there is a friend who is such at his own convenience. In other words, he's with himself. He's a friend of himself, really, than of you. It's not, not really the friend should go out to another in the sharing of mutual reciprocity, interdependence, mutual trust, mutual vulnerability and intimacy. But this is a friend who is really a friend at his own convenience. In other words, I have several friends I haven't used yet. How many friends do we want to use? This friend is using me at his own convenience to advance. We should never use people. Use things and love people. Don't love things and use people. I have several friends I haven't used yet. For there is a friend who is such at his own convenience who will not stand by you in your day of trouble because you're not useful anymore. You're only useful, as they said, remember when you got new, lots of money brings new friends, but well, not real friends, because you're not useful anymore. So we should never use any person. We should love, but not use. He will not stand by you in your day of trouble. A friend in need is a friend indeed, and really the only friend there is. The friends that bail when a person's in trouble or no longer can be of use to them is, um, that's not friendship at all. That reveals. And that's sometimes what happens in life. There's a wonderful scene in A Man for All Seasons. When Thomas More is rising high, going up in the world, prime minister of the country, basically, he's surrounded by friends, people coming to him, just throwing themselves at him. But when it's obvious that the king has dropped him, he can't even get a boatman to take him back to his home. <laughs> even everyone just flees away from him, so he has to walk all the way home alone. No more friends, because he's not powerful anymore. He can't do anything for them. Now, if we're ever using a person that way, we should really watch out. And that happens. That's a kind of sycophants. I love that word, sycophants. The sick part of it is really nice. Sycophants. They're ones who, I don't know how it's pronounced, that. maybe psychophants? That's even better. Psychophants. Or sycophants. But I think sycophants is smarmy enough to make it right. This is someone who is just, you know, <laughs> trying to always bowing and all that to people in power. And that, that is no friend. And if anyone, when you see that, run for the door. And worry if a person, you know, is surrounded by sycophants, they're, boy, they're in deep trouble. Someone who says, oh, you are so wonderful, oh, you're... But it's just because they want to use the powerful person to get ahead. And then they are, you know, hmm, this is my friend, you know. <laughs> there is a friend who changes into an enemy and will disclose a quarrel to your disgrace. So if this is a friend who was a friend and whom you trusted, and then you have a fight with a friend, perhaps, and what you revealed to the friend is disclosed to others. Therefore, no one can hurt someone as much as someone who knows the intimate secrets of the other person, a friend or a spouse. That's, of course, why these personal breakups can be so tragic. A person we don't know can't really harm us very much. But a friend can, if a friend turns into an enemy. And there is a friend who is a table companion, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. In your prosperity, he will make himself your equal and will be bold with your servants. So here's a friend who uses his closeness to you to kind of, you know, act like that. But, if you are brought low, he will turn against you and will hide himself from your presence. Where are you now? Oh, my friend, where, where is he? He's not here anymore. He's heading out the door. That's the person who is using 
someone using friendship to advance the ego of himself. And that's false. That's why we need to test our friends. And in a sense, I think we all know our true friends, but what really proves our true friends is if something does happen, some disaster, and you look around, see who's there? Who's there will be our friends. Because it's not our prosperity or success or whatever that has the reason they're with us. It's because they truly care for the person and not the things the person brought to them. That is very important. Keep yourself far from your enemies and be on guard toward your friends. Well, there's truth in that, isn't there? Keep yourself far from your enemies. A lot of wisdom, you know, maybe we just not worry about our enemies so much, just keep away from them. And guard against your friends, but guard, be on guard towards your friends, which we can't be on guard towards everyone. There's got to be some risk in friendship and in our life. But we should be just a little watchful about maybe some of our friends. So we don't, you know, we recognize the humanity of it all. And then he switches. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There's nothing so precious as a faithful friend. So true. And no scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life. Life without friendship would be so horrible. Friends are so, they make life worthwhile. Friends are beautiful. And those who fear the Lord will find him. Now there's a secret. A faithful friend is an elixir of life. And those who fear the Lord will find him. So it's the fear of the Lord awe and wonder in the presence of God that is the source of all wisdom. And it's the fear of the Lord that will find a friend. Because that means that our heart is in order and we know that God is God and we are his servants. And if we are living a life of righteousness and humble repentance, seeking to find our true friend in the Lord God, then the ones we will be friends with will be like that, and they will be true friends. The more we are oriented towards the friend who is the Lord, the more our friends who are likewise oriented that way will be true friends. And together, shoulder to shoulder, we face the struggles of life, and we do so, the friendship is based not upon profit, using someone, or some satisfying of some desire for dominance or whatever, but rather the friendship is based on the fear of the Lord. And the two friends can be absolutely trusting of one another because their hearts are pure. Purity of heart, not ego, but a humble and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not spurn. And a humble and contrite heart is what friends need in one another. Whoever fears the Lord directs his friendship aright, for as he is, so is his neighbor also. So that's the secret of friendship. Not only testing and all these things we have over here, but it is to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is the test of friendship. There's a great story of St. Basil and St. Gregory, who were university students together and were really good friends. And they write about that. And they said each one was, whereas other students were vying to beat one another, they were both really bright students, each of them was trying to help the other to get to be the best. They were forgetful of self in serving the other. Both are saints. And that's the way to care for others. 
My son, from your youth up, choose instruction. Till you're old, you will keep finding wisdom. Come to her like one who plows and sows and wait for her good harvest. For in her service, you will toil a little while and soon you will eat of her produce. Wisdom, well, knowledge makes a bloody entry. None of us is wise. We're all foolish. If we know that, then we are wise. But it's hard because serving the ego is sort of automatic and comfy and cozy and deadly. Wisdom stretches us beyond our comfort zone and challenges us with words that stick right in there. And that's what we need. That's why also we need good friends. She seems very harsh to the uninstructed. A weakling will not remain with her. People who want to be are so delicate they cannot take challenges. That's not healthy. It's not wise. And we're in a world now, or even in, especially in the world of academia, everyone's going <laughs> They discourse ceases, conversation ends for fear of any challenge. This is not healthy. It's not good for civilization. There's something out of whack here. We should send copies of Sirach around to all kinds of places. Oh dear, she may seem harsh to the uninstructed. A weakling will not remain with her. She will weigh him down like a heavy testing stone. He will not be slow to cast her off. I don't want challenges in my life. I'm doing pretty well myself. For wisdom is like her name. It's not manifest too many. This is such good stuff, boy. Well, it's the word of God. Who am I to say the word of God is such good stuff? Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And we need to think about it and live by it. It is divinely inspired, but it's also in a sense inspired in a human way. Wisdom writings are like that, both divine and with that human wisdom. So let's just reflect and pray on these holy words. Do not exalt yourself through your soul's counsel, lest your soul be torn in pieces like a bowl. You will devour your leaves and destroy your fruit and will be left like a withered tree. An evil soul will destroy him who has it and make him the laughingstock of his enemies. A pleasant voice multiplies friends and softens enemies, and a gracious tongue multiplies courtesies. Let those who are at peace with you be many, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. When you gain a friend, gain him through testing, do not trust him too hastily. For there is a friend who is such at his own convenience, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. And there is a friend who changes into an enemy and will disclose a quarrel to your disgrace. And there is a friend who is a table companion but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. In your prosperity, he will make himself your equal, be bold with your service. But if you are brought low, he will turn against you. He will hide himself from your presence. Keep yourself far from your enemies and be on guard toward your friends. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There's nothing so precious as a faithful friend, and no scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear the Lord will find him. Whoever fears the Lord directs his friendship aright, 
For as he is, so is his neighbor also. My son, from your youth up, choose instruction. And until you are old, you will keep finding wisdom. Come to her like one who plows and sows and wait for her good harvest. For in her service, you will toil a little while and soon you will eat of her produce. She seems very harsh to the uninstructed. A weakling will not remain with her. She will weigh him down like a heavy testing stone and he will not be slow to cast her off. For wisdom is like her name and is not manifest to many. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um.